Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Well, the grace and the peace of our Lord be with you here this morning. How wonderful is it to be led by our children in all aspects of worship today? We are so grateful for all the kids who are willing and who have shown up to, to help us. Um, they're leading in ushering and greeting, handing out things both in the sanctuary and in the Family Life Center. And I'm just so grateful uh, for a church that affirms uh, the role and the presence of our children in taking the lead. Uh, before we move into the sermon, however, I want to take just a moment, if we can. Tonight is a big, big night. The launch of Vacation Bible School at our church, we take it always to another level each year. And there are many of you here, even if you're not wearing the shirt, I know you're kind of in disguise, who you will be here serving tonight. And I just want to take a moment in worship for us to pray together about all of the children who will be with us all week long and about you volunteering, serving, giving your time. So both in the sanctuary and in the Family Life Center, if you have any role or, or function at Vacation Bible School whatsoever, whether you're leading a group, you're teaching a, a Bible story, or you're leading in worship or creating crafts or food, whatever it may be, would you do us a favor and stand to your feet where you are so we, we can have a, a moment of prayer, stand right where you are. Some of you, it's hard to hide. You're wearing the shirt now. You got it. There you go. Both in this room and in the Family Life Center. Great. We have some in the, in the choir as well. Uh, first, let me say this. Thank you. Thank you for opening your hearts and your, your hands uh, to serve the Lord through loving our children this week. We simply want to say a prayer that prepares you um, and, and, and gets your mind and body and patience uh, ready for a week full of loving our children. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Good and loving God, we recognize that you have given each of us some role in raising up a new generation of children who will learn to love you and to follow you. And as we launch Vacation Bible School beginning this evening, we pray as a church family for those who have stepped forward to lead the way. We pray for Pastor Annie and her leadership, her entire team, her crew, her volunteers, and for everyone standing, even now, among us. We pray that your spirit would so infuse the heart and the mind that they see, even beyond the task at hand, the infinite possibility of these connections that we'll make with children all week long. We pray for the children who are coming and their families. We pray that their experience would be something that they can't stop talking about because there's so much love and so much discovery happening this week uh, in your name. So we pray for your blessings over VBS and those who will lead it and those who will come and ask that by the end of the week together, you will be glorified in ways that, that you could not have been glorified before. We pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Let all the church together say amen. All right, you may be seated. Thank you. 
So it's exciting because today we continue in our um, sermon series, The Fan. We've been talking about some real issues, about issues facing most of our families. We've talked about how to deal with dysfunction and how to look at dysfunction in a way that provides an opportunity for God to be revealed and glorified in, in spectacular ways. We've talked about patience and about recognizing a resource in God's abundant love that sometimes needs to be tapped into because of our own scarcity, our own energy uh, zap, right? We talked about that on Mother's Day, keeping mom from losing our marbles and the rest of us as well. We talked about how to deal with difficult relationships in the family. And we've also talked about how do you navigate the waters of change when change comes to the family. Today, we're talking about kids. It's the kids. It's all about the kids today. But I want to talk about it in a distinct way, a little bit of a departure from how we have been talking in this whole series. I want to talk about children today, not in terms of the specific children in your family, but I want to talk about children in terms of our family of faith. What does the church have before us as a responsibility to loving these children into a, into a faith that lasts a lifetime? What's, what's the church to do in raising up a new generation of those who are so passionately in love with Jesus Christ that they find their calling as they grow in these hallways and these classes and, and over crafts at VBS? What about the church's kids is what I want to talk about today. But to get us inside the minds and the hearts of kids, we decided to go beyond me to some experts we, we asked two of our experts, two of our children in this church, to spend some time this week, earlier this week, at church. And I just want you to see what they had to say. This is a really big room. So huge. Ooh, what's that? I win. It's a piano. It's actually a piano. What's like a weird piano? What is that? You don't know how to play the piano, do you? I don't. Hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah. It makes me feel special because it feels like God is with me every time I come here. Even if I'm not in this room, I always feel special because of God. Well, on last Sunday, I didn't go to church. Well, one time I couldn't go to church because um, we were all busy and my mother, I think, was sick that day. Hopefully, he'll understand if you miss a church day. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Luke 10, 27. How do you know that verse already? What do you mean? How do you, how do you know that verse? It was one of my PE scriptures. I have to memorize them. This this worship is really long. Mm -hmm. It's it's long. Uh, my favorite worship apparently are the short ones. <laughs> it yes. takes a long time. Yes. It was like a, their last dinner with Jesus all in that row. It reminds us of God. Yes, about what he's done for us. I've never ate communion ever. Are we gonna be able to eat it? I'm hungry. 
Mm-hmm. This is making me hungry staring at this. Halloween! I'm the tallest person in the world! Me too! Okay, sure. Well, I want to call my mom. Um, how do you call My dad uh, got washed in here. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Getting baptized means that you're considering God in your life and letting the Holy Spirit run in you. Take a bath during church and worship. Uh, if we were gonna do a bath, we would need shampoo, soap, and conditioner. You don't need shampoo and soap just to take a bath. You can, it can just be a water with you swimming in it. That would be more like a pool. Well, uh, kind of, sort of. Yes, I am, but not the kind that makes you feel good. Uh, oh, the kind that listens to you? That's right, the kind that listens to you. That's right. So That makes sense. I'm a pastor, and sometimes pastors are doctors, who, but they are doctors really of your mind and heart. This is Pastor Sean's study. What do you think I do in here? Do you work? You practice of what you're supposed to say up on stage. Why are you why are you calling yourself Pastor Sean? That's weird. Because <laughs> he's a pastor and his name is Sean. Well, what kind of message do you think God would have for people in our church? Um, well, I would say that you should always like um, know that God's with you, even if you're like heartbroken or. Uh, you're nervous, just know that God's like right next to you and He will help you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Luke 10 27. <laughs> okay. So, see, sometimes it helps to get a different perspective, you know? <laughs> Thanks for coming and hanging out, guys. Bye, Miss Rhonda. Bye. Well, are we going to go to the playground? Maybe. Oh, I got to step for water. I got to the top first. No, you didn't. You got to the, almost the top. I got Sometimes we don't want to go in the boring places, just watch and almost fall asleep. You can um, stop, like just stop learning about boring and just play outside when Jesus created the playground. But we can still learn about Jesus when we're playing. Sometimes we just want to go and have fun. I win. <laughs> wow. Because Jesus created the playground. Why not, right? Listen, I want you to meet Hannah and Parker and they're going to help me start the sermon today. Would you give Hannah and Parker a, a warm welcome up here? Okay, guys, come on up. There you go. Thank you. There you go. Hop on up there. Well, good morning again. Good morning. Hello. Hello. So it was really cool hanging out a little bit this past week. And you know what we're doing today. We're talking in the sermon 
about, about kids, right? And we're yes. talking about how the church ought to think about kids, but we can't do that until we understand how kids think about kids, right? So we're trying to get inside your mind with some questions a little bit so that we understand a little bit, because uh, for some of us, it's been a long time since we were, we were your age, right? Okay. Yeah. What grade are you going into this next year? I'm going to fourth. Okay. I'm going into second. Okay. So I've got a couple of questions for a second grader and a fourth grader coming up, okay? And, and here's just a couple of them, one of them. All right, if you had, because you, you ask great questions, and I've heard you ask some great questions when we were together, but if you could only ask God one question, if you could stand right in front of God and ask God a question that maybe mom and dad don't know how to answer, maybe, maybe Pastor Sean doesn't know how to answer, and you're like, I want to ask God this one question, what would it be? Hannah, you start us. Uh, if I had wings when I go to heaven so I can fly around everywhere, it will be quicker. You want to ask, are we going to have wings when we go to heaven? Okay. Yeah. That's a fair question, so we can fly around. Okay, yes. I got you. It will be you. quicker. Parker? Um, why do you let robbers be born if you already know what's going to happen and let them hurt people? <laughs> Man. Okay, it just got deep really fast. <laughs> These are questions that grown-ups keep asking, so don't stop asking, okay? Don't <laughs> stop asking these big questions. Now, I've got another one for you. Those are excellent questions, by the way. I've got another one for you. Um, this one is, think for just a minute, what do kids get afraid of these days? What, do you, what scares you? What's, what are you afraid um, of? Uh, the dark, spiders, and scary movies. Okay. The dark Spiders and, and scary movies. That's excellent. Okay, good. What about you, Hannah? Mostly everybody in my class is afraid of bugs. So, yes, so bugs. There's bugs. <laughs> Definitely a theme here with bugs and spiders, right? Yes. Yeah. There's a theme. Yeah. Okay, I got you. That's, that's great. So it's good for us to know what you're afraid of because we have some fears too, but they just, they're a little bit different as you get older, right? So here's a fun one. So when you daydream, when you daydream about stuff, maybe you're in your car and you're going on a long trip and you're bored and you're looking out the window and you're just thinking about stuff because maybe mom and dad took away the iPad and you can't do that for a few minutes and you're just daydreaming about something. What do you daydream about? I daydream about being a photo, I mean, a travel photographer. Uh, you daydream about being a travel photographer? Uh huh. Where would you go to travel and where would you like to go be a photographer? The beach. Oh, okay, all right, that's great, man. Okay, all right, so a travel photographer. What, what do you daydream about, Parker? Uh, I daydream about the Nationals beating the Braves 14 to 4. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so it has been revealed that Parker is a Nats fan, right? So, okay, you got to be careful saying around here, you're a brave guy, you're a brave guy. Okay. What is one thing that you're thankful for? When your heart is just full of thanks and gratitude, what's one of the things that you're thankful for? Having a big sister. All right. All right, having a big sister. That is a real gift. That's good. What about you, Parker? What are you, what are you uh, thankful for? My family. Okay. Excellent. There's a lot of us who would say that, right? I think we all are thankful to God for our families. All right, this is my last question for you, okay? 
So I want you to think about it. Uh, you know how when we were in, in my study, we talked about how sometimes we'll just, some people come by, we just pray together, right? We talk about what's maybe stressful, we talk about problems, and then we just we pray. If we could pray for one thing for you, like, like right now, what would it be? Name something that you that you'd like prayer prayer for in, in your life. That I would never, ever, 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 ever get sick in the summer so I can play all day. <laughs> okay, that you would never, ever, ever get sick in the summer so you can play all the way through. Okay, okay, we got you covered, got you covered. Parker, what about you? What can we pray to about? To make friends at VBS. Okay, you got it. We're going to pray right now uh, for both of you, okay? So let's bow our heads and pray together. Okay. All right. God, we are so thankful to you for Parker and for Hannah. And we're thankful for the love that we can see in their lives because of you. So right now we are praying uh, that Hannah would be healthy all summer long. So she can play and run and be with friends all summer long without being sick. That's what we pray for. And we pray for Parker. We pray that VBS will be an amazing time this week. And that he'll make plenty of friends at VBS. And that he will be a friend to somebody at VBS. Lord, we love you and we thank you uh, for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Will you all please help me thank these two for leading us today? All right. Great job, guys. Okay, you can go back. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Parker. All right. Oh, so well done. Well done. Okay, if you rise for the benediction, we'll... I'm just... Don't, don't rise. I just want to say, I think... Uh, yeah, hold the applause. Yeah. I just want to say, um, there is an innate, primal, almost instinctive wonder in children. It's encoded in the DNA that they are born with the capacity to be in awe of life and mystery and love and the universe. And it's been, it's been said that we are closer to our true selves when we are born than we ever will be. Because when you were born, the, the, as you continue to grow, you eventually begin to learn, I better put on this persona for the world to approve of me. I better put on this mask. I, I better take on this particular ego so the world will accept and love and approve me. But when you're born and when you are not far from having been born, when you're a child, you have the capacity to live out of your God-given curiosity like the rest of us perhaps have forgotten to do from time to time. See, we're born with this capacity to be in awe and to wonder and to be, to be open-minded and, and tender-hearted as we enter into the world. But that you know as well as I do that life happens to us. And in time, uh, something happens. You, you, you are injured. Someone uh, betrays you. You you, you, you get disillusioned or, or wounded. You build something and it breaks. Right? You try something and it fails. And in time, over time, we begin to somehow, I don't know, 
hide away that original light that was in us, that was the image of God attempting to be shining through the world. We have this treasure, see, but the older we get, the more experiences we have, the more wounds that we bear, the more we recognize the clay jar that hides our treasure. Is this why Jesus said, if you, if you want to see the kingdom, you have to change. If you want to see the kingdom, you, you have to change this, the kingdom, this, this way of life or this way of existing in this world, both now and in the hereafter. This kingdom life requires a kind of openness that you may see and receive because the reality is all around us at every given moment of every given day, the universe is exploding with divine moments of encounter, but sometimes we don't see it. We need to be like children whose eyes are wide open and whose hearts are tender enough to still receive it. This is why he said it in the scripture that we heard read earlier from Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child whom he put among them and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in, in my name welcomes me. Jesus literally is bringing a child into the very center of the room, into the center of the consciousness of the people all around Jesus. And Jesus said, if you want to grasp the kind of existence that I'm talking about, you have to enter into it through the eyes of a child. You must be childlike. Now there's a difference, right? Between being childlike and being childish. To be childlike is to assume a posture in life that is open, that is fully aware that, oh my goodness, this world, this universe is far bigger than I could possibly comprehend, and the mysteries of this universe are beckoning me to marvel at them. A childlike posture in this life is open and ready to receive mystery, ready to ask more questions than give answers. But a childish posture in life is completely the opposite. A childish attitude is one that, well, think about it this way. One author put it this way. The childish is arms crossed, foot stomping, closed in mind and heart because I've never experienced this thing. Uh, this is information that I can't control and I, I, can't, I can't have some grasp on. It's new information, so I'm going to close down. This is a childish approach to life. And you and I both know people, grown adults, who are childish human beings. Do you know anybody whose posture looks like this? I mean, like theologically, we could be theologically childish. I've never thought about it that way and I choose not to. We can be relationally childish. I'm not going to forgive. I'm not going to welcome this person into my home. I'm not going to talk about it. Childish is closed. If the older you get, the narrower your mind and heart become, you assume a childish 
posture in life. But the older you get, if as you grow, your mind widens and your heart widens to recognize this God is far bigger and more mysterious than I could have ever imagined, that is a childlike way to enter into the kingdom. There is a difference between childlike and childish. And the posture makes all the difference. You know, when you enter into a childlike attitude, the world expands. When you enter into a childish attitude, the world shrinks. And you know what's harder than pointing out other people who are childish? What's more difficult is learning to recognize the childishness in me and yourself. Because childishness creeps up on you. It sneaks up on you, really. We were living in Tennessee, and my younger son, Jackson, was about three years old. And we were running late for the thing. I don't even know what the thing was, but we were running late. Laura and Nathan had already gone to arrive at the thing on time, of course. Now, here we are, we're running late. And so I'm trying to get him ready and out the door, scooting, come on, buddy, it changes, shifts from, come on, buddy, we're running late, to, come on, buddy, we're running late, to, get in the car. <laughs> you know, and he's three years old, and he's doing the best he can, so I walk around my car, and I open up the door, I'm getting things set inside, and then I'm ready to put him in the booster. I turn around, and he's not there. I mean, he literally was right there a minute ago, and I turned around, literally like two seconds, and he's gone. So, Jackson, where are you? And I hear his three-year-old voice from the other side of the car, Daddy! Daddy, come here! I said, no, we are really late. Come on, son. He said, no, Daddy, you got to see this. Come on, really, come here. In Tennessee, that's one word. Come here, come here. So I, I come over, and he's, he has squatted down like only three-year-olds can, you know, like in a hind catcher, but like arms folded, totally balanced, you know, forever. And he's studying on the ground, there is this, this red sucker that he had dropped the day before. And it had baked in the sun and stayed overnight. And now it had a million ants on it. There was one long line of ants coming to it, single file. One long single file line of ants going away from it. But on it, a million ants. And he is in awe. He's mesmerized. He is, he's gobsmacked. He is in absolute amazement over this thing. And he's like, oh my gosh, how, how did they know? And where'd they come from? Where are they going? How does this happen? Meanwhile, I'm getting a car. Getting a car. And so I literally pick him up and put him in the car. I said, we've got to go. Put him in, strap him in, and we go down the road. And we're about a mile down the road. And I look in the mirror and he's looking out the window, and he's daydreaming. And it occurs to me, what have I done? I mean, I don't even remember the event where we were going. I don't even remember what it was. And yet I pulled him away from the one single occupation that a three-year-old ought to be occupying, being mesmerized by a red sucker covered with ants. 
What a three-year-old in that moment knew that his older dad did not know is that the universe is teeming with these moments if we stop to look at them. Look, Dad, come here. Have you asked a question of where these ants come from and what they're doing and why they're trying to carry it away? This universe is, is designed for the childlike to never cease marveling at that. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time? You laid down in the grass and watched the clouds pass by. When was the last time you took your socks and shoes off and walked barefooted just for the sake of feeling the earth beneath you? When was the last time you went somewhere where there was no light pollution, you know, no, no traffic lights and, and street lights, so that you could gaze up at this, this vast universe and, and be absorbed up into the mystery of it all? Because Jesus said, if you want to go through life in a kingdom way, if you want to enter the kingdom, you have to enter it the way a child enters it, open, full of wonder and awe. Yeah. So there's this amazing story that's told in the Bible, in the next chapter actually, it was chapter 19 of Matthew's gospel. Well, these these disciples are with Jesus, and they're talking about important stuff. I mean, they're talking about theological things, asking theological questions, and they're covering some really good ground. And these parents bring these kids and interrupt the meeting. And the disciples get angry about it, and the disciples say, get them out of here. We're taking care of important business here. And Jesus scolds them. And this is how the encounter takes place. Then little children were being brought to him in order that he may lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples spoke sternly to those who brought them, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not stop them, for it is such, to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. And he laid his hands on them and went on his way. He laid his hands on them. And went on his way. It's interesting that it's not only in individual lives that our childishness our, can sneak up on us. It can sneak up among the religious. It can sneak up on churches and institutions. Here is this budding church. That which will be the first church. And they say, we've got more important matters to deal with than kids. And Jesus said, there can't be more important matters. Not only does he say, suffer not the little children to come, but suffer not the childlike to come. Because when you shut the world to a narrow perspective in mind, heart, and soul, you are shutting down the capacity of human beings to explore and imagine and, and wonder. You know, it's, it's been said before, and I've said it in here before, we all have friends who we wish would come to church, don't we? And I bet if I asked you, you could tell me by name. Somebody who you've been inviting, but they're like, no, that church's not for me. Listen, don't worry about me because actually God and I have our thing going. I believe in God. God believes in me. And, and, I'm, and then here comes the phrase. I am spiritual, but I'm not religious. Have you heard that phrase before? I'm spiritual, but not religious. And I get it. 
I get why there are those who are spiritual but not religious. Because maybe along the way, the institution itself disappointed them or wounded them or scarred them or let them down. But the truth is, it's possible, says one, that one of the multitudes of reasons that there are so many who are spiritual and not religious are walking around the world today is because the very institutions that were designed to create the space for wonder and awe and curiosity have become so rigid and narrowed that we have failed at our duty. Do you know that there was a time when the church was the center of artistic expression? The church was on the vanguard, the front line of of scientific exploration. And about 400 years ago, we began to react the opposite way. We began to clamp down, and exploration is not important. What's most important is right belief, right theology, right doctrine. And all of those are true and good and well worth our pursuit. But Jesus says, don't, at the sake of having this theological conversation, Matthew 19, neglect the childlike among us and in us. So this is why at Johns Creek every, every week we attempt to do something with our children. And whole, whole army and whole army of volunteers attempts to do this. To keep wide the lens through which our children see the universe so that it allows them to continue marveling at the mysteries that God is putting all around them. You know, at, at the end of that verse I just read a moment ago, there's this amazing moment where it says, he says his, his, he put his hands on them and blessed them. He put his hands on them and blessed them. But the truth is, Christ has no hands but your hands. Christ now has no feet but your feet. Christ has no arms but your arms. If there is going to be a generation of children who is introduced to Jesus Christ and falls in love with him and then seeks after a calling in their life, a kingdom calling, then it will be because you and I embrace them in all their wide-eyed wonder and we affirm the capacity in them to see God in some ways better than we can see God. So, this sermon has now suddenly become a call to action. Now the sermon is asking something from you. I'm going to ask you to put that volunteer slide back on, on the screen. Now, we put this up earlier in the day. And by the way, we put it up earlier in the worship service. And so far, we have two people who have registered to help. Amen is a good start. But I just want you to know I'm not going to stop preaching until that number climbs. Laugh all you want. I'm going to leave this, this line up here while I tell you a little story. Now, we've got VBS volunteers, and we're set. We've got summer volunteers, and we're set. We're talking about August forward, and I want you to consider why. There is a man in our church. Uh, before I tell him about, about him, let me tell you about this. We have a whole army of volunteers downstairs for our children, and that army is strong. And then you see them when you come. They're holding the doors open. They're greeting in the rotunda. They're teaching your children during Sunday school hour. They are helping volunteer during the worship hour so we can offer some developmentally appropriate, age-appropriate worship for them. You see them on the way in. You see them on the way out. And some of them have been doing it for a long, long time. 
But what you might not know is that every Saturday there is a man in our church who does something that I want you to know about. Now, I asked his permission if I could tell the story. I saw him yesterday. I said, can I, can I tell the story? I need to tell because it helps us to understand how we can all get involved and we all have a part. And he said, I give you permission to tell the story. Just don't use my name. I said, well, now you're going to make me break the rules. Now you're going to make me bend the rules. But, so I'm not going to tell his name. I'm not going to tell you who I'm talking about. But he looks like this. So I'm not, I'm not going to tell you his name, but every Saturday, a guy who looks like that comes to our church, un, un, no trumpet blown before him, nothing, no fanfare, but spends about an hour to an hour and a half every Saturday preparing the, the materials for each teacher who will show up on Sunday, getting them together, pulling the carts out, changing the signage from our midweek program with kids to our weekend program with kids and he does all this so that those with the big hearts and ready spot smiles show up on Sunday morning they're able to do what they are called to do because he's done something behind the scenes but what you might also not know and he told me this the guy with no name he told me that uh, he couldn't do what he does if he didn't go to a supply closet that it was meticulously cared for through the week by this woman. Now, I didn't really ask her permission, Marianne, sword, who I want you to know keeps that supply closet. Yeah, you can go ahead and clap. Go for it. Yeah, but listen, listen. Keeps it so in order and intact. Spends some time during the week to do so. Comes on her own. Nobody knows it. Sometimes you, when you walk down that hallway, she may be the only one there, so you've got to make noise so you don't scare her you know, on the way in. But she's preparing something behind the scenes so that the man with no name can prepare something behind the scenes so that those who showed up and have been showing up every Sunday for years can come and do what they do for our children. Now, why am I telling you that? Well, I've got one more story to tell you. I show up two weeks ago, two, maybe three weeks ago, and I show up on a Saturday morning. I walk in on a Saturday morning to finish some sermon work, and, and I see the man with no name. And he's there with another guy whose permission I didn't ask, but he's out of town today, so I'm going to tell you, it's, it's Kelly Bryant. Here's a picture of Kelly and Mary Bryant. Kelly Bryant and the man with no name is walking down, they're walking down the hall. I say, hey, well, guys, what you doing here? Because I knew what, what the man with no name was doing, but I didn't know why Kelly was there. Turns out because the man with no name, this is going to get old doing, you know, doing this, but the, the, because the man with no name was going to go out of town for about two to three weeks. He had self-deployed to go recruit his own volunteer to replace him in his task, and he found in Mary and Kelly Bryant a willing heart with no fanfare, no trumpet, to show up because they know something that, that, that the man with no name knows, that Mary Ann knows, and that's this. Our job as a church is to create an environment that allows the world to stay open in the mind of a child. Yes, so that they might be able to enter into faith, not having to shut down their mind, but bring their mind. Not having to shut down their imagination and exploration and curiosity. But if of all the places, you go to church to practice imagination. See, Now why am I telling you all that? Because these folks are heroes in my mind. They're heroes in my mind and they can use some company. 
So let's flash the, the screen back up again. Let's see how we're doing. Oh, we got another one. We got another one. I'm getting updates from Mark in the other room. Uh, and we are going to stop preaching eventually here. But I just want you to know this. It's easier than you think. I asked Annie, Pastor Annie, tell me what you really need. If I'm going to make an appeal to our church family, what do you need? She said, we need all kinds of things. If anybody shows up, I can find a way. But here's one to put in perspective for you. I need somebody who will say to me, I'll give you one Sunday per month for five months in a row during 11 o'clock. That's one hour per month for five months in a row, either August to December or January to May. And if you commit to that, she says, oh, if the whole church were to commit to that, we could not stop the level of growth and exploration and energy that happens in our children's ministry. So I want you to sign up. I'm calling on you. And I'm going to say a prayer now, and the prayer will end the sermon. But I, I, I lay this before you in a different kind of sermon to simply say this. The soul and the future of the church itself is at stake. What will we do about it? Let's pray. Good and loving God, we recognize that you have called us and continue to call us deeper and deeper into your universe of mystery, that we may explore and discover you at every unexpected turn and show us how to continue to be childlike for as long as we live, that we may continue to marvel at your mysteries. But this day I pray also that you would lay upon the hearts of your people a willingness and a desire to step up and show up for the sake of our children. Lord, even now during this time when we commit, it may be that you're stirring in the hearts and minds of our people here today to react, to respond, to investigate what this stirring is. Perhaps today you're calling someone to a deeper level of faith and maybe even to join the church, say yes to some mission, whatever it is, God. We pray that your spirit which so embolden and empower your people that we would not hesitate a single moment. In Christ's name we pray, amen.